0: Welcome to COP Watch 2023. I'm with Owen Bethel from Nestle. Welcome, Owen. Hi, Ian. Joining us from the blue zone in Dubai at COP28. Indeed. Okay, Owen, how are you seeing the big picture discussions? What's your perspectives on them? We're getting down to the final countdown,
1: if you like, in terms of the big picture discussions. And there's been this increasing focus on the what's called the global stock take, which is what started off as a recap on progress towards implementation of the Paris Agreement and has morphed into the central text of these negotiations. Every other issue has started to find a home within that text. And that means it's become the focal point for negotiators and the focal point for controversy and and differences of opinion, let's say. Really, the next kind of 24 hours is absolutely crucial for trying to get that over the line. There are many outstanding issues and there's various text in brackets, which could either stay in or be completely removed. So there's quite a lot of what they describe as bracketed or no option. If you can't agree on the text in the brackets, it just all gets completely removed. There's no backup. The text that we have right now, and I'm talking to you at sort of one o'clock on Monday, could change quite significantly by 11 a.m. On Tuesday, tomorrow, which is when uh, Al-Jabbar, the president of COP28, has said we must have an agreement. We must have an agreement by 11 a.m. Although my experience here has shown me repeatedly that deadlines are rather flexible when it comes to COP negotiations. So, you know, that's where we're at. There's going to be a lot of outstanding work coming out of this COP in terms of things that were not agreed, things that will have to be picked up again including, for example, agriculture, which didn't go anywhere in the discussions here, which is a bit of a disappointment. But nonetheless, you know, if this core text is agreed and there is ambition and there is a compromise, it could
0: be an important step forwards for climate action. As you say, we're talking on Monday the 11th of December, still needs to be a lot of work on the fossil fuels, the kind of reality for the fossil fuel phasing out and also for climate adaptation and the finance for that. No doubt those, those things will come through. What have you found Particularly hopeful this time, and this is your third COP, as I understand. You're hopeful and or frustrating, in particular, at this COP. Well, I think it's important
1: to not take too much of a short-term mindset or view on things. If we think back to Glasgow, two years ago, that was, it feels like a lifetime ago, but it's two years ago. That was when fossil fuel phase down or phase out was first debated, right? So it's only two years ago that that debate actually started. It wasn't so much on the agenda last year in Sharm el-Sheikh, and now it's come back again here in Dubai in 2023. So whatever progress is made, whatever agreement we come to here, it's going to be quite a big step in the right direction from just two years ago. I do feel like that kind of reaction that's come out from OPEC with their letter recently saying, you know, this is, this is really concerning. It shows that there is a pressure there. Therefore, the push for progressive action on climate has reached the highest level and never before has there been such a coalition of organizations, including business, supporting that kind of call to action. I'm very positive about that. I think there's also an increasing understanding that not all businesses are the same, that they don't come into this with the same view on the world. But there is this increasingly sort of progressive
0: voice out there, which can be harnessed in a good way for climate action. Thinking in from Nestle's perspective, what have been the big step forwards that you've seen in Dubai? Again, thinking back to about a year ago, we signed a call to action
1: to say that food needs to be more at the center of discussions on climate change. Food system is connected to around one third of all emissions. Therefore, we're never going to get to net zero or stay on the 1.5 degree pathway without actually addressing emissions from agriculture and consumption and all the different bits that make up the food system. This time, food has been really, really central. And We had an Emirates Food Systems Declaration signed by 152 countries. We've had a response from what is called in UN speak, the non-state actors. So that's everybody else, essentially, saying, OK, we're up for this. We support this agenda. We're going to act. We're going to implement. And we're going to make progress. And Nestle was one of the companies that also co-supported the Regenerative Landscapes Initiative launched last Monday which was the 4th of December. And that's all about rolling out regenerative agriculture into millions of hectares of land. And we're going to come back at COP30 in Brazil and assess progress in that regard. So I think for us, all of that is hugely positive. And again, it's kind of the start of a journey, you know, and and sort of expecting it to be in the negotiated text is perhaps a bit unrealistic right now, given the huge discussions happening around fossil fuels. That's the focus. That's where all the political energy is going. But maybe if we look forward to Brazil in two years' time, there could be more of a focus on things like land use change and agriculture as, as the real core issue there to address.
0: James, the danger that there's sometimes almost too much going on at these events. You talked about all these things on the side, and I mean, I was in Glasgow two years ago, and there was loads of exciting stuff happening outside of the main negotiations then, but it felt there was potentially a distraction from, well, hang on, we're here to solve the big picture. Is there a danger, do you think, sometimes that people get excited about the things that they're positivity on the side rather than the kind of the big picture in the middle?
1: I think you need to do both these days because there is a limited amount of political opportunity to discuss issues at the centre of the COP discussions. There is a certain number of hours and a certain number of negotiators here to actually focus on that, and therefore. To take the example of food, it may be that we need to launch the declaration now, we need to get political support behind that, we need to start to show implementation before we then come back to putting it into a negotiated text in a couple of years' time. There is a huge amount going on. I mean, it is a bit overwhelming. I think it's difficult to follow all of these different tracks and discussions. And if you want to attend events, I mean, the list is just mind-bogglingly huge. I think there was something like 900 events on food in the last two weeks. So even with the biggest public affairs team in the world, you're not going to attend all of them. So I think it's true that there's a lot going on and it's difficult to track all of that. But at the same time, those events have a purpose and they eventually find their way into the mainstream when the time is right.
0: How have you found the atmosphere at the event? You've attended the last three COPs now. How have you found the way that everyone's engaging, interacting in this general atmosphere? How have you found that compared to Glasgow and to El Sheik?
1: I think from a business perspective, well, I'd say a couple of things. First of all, it's very well organised here. The facilities are a vast improvement on last year. I think that's more conducive to basically facilitating business interactions, which can have a positive effect a little bit regardless of the negotiations. So there's a lot of businesses here who are showing their colors, if you like, showing support for climate action, but they're really here to build relationships partnerships opportunities and that's really what it's about so i think that the cop 28 organizers have done a good job in facilitating that they've learned over time right i mean glasgow was the first cop the business was really present at in significant numbers it's only two years that that process has developed over and now we're understanding it better and seeing a way forwards and then beyond that business has been a little bit better organized this time in terms of the positioning and the calls to action and being able to exercise an external pressure point on the negotiations in a positive way. A few days ago, a call to action was organized by the B team, about 1,700 organizations and influential people signed that. And actually, Sultan al-Jabir read it out in his press conference, and it's been displayed on a big screen here with all of the organizations that have signed it, just to make the point that we support an ambitious outcome. I haven't really seen that before in such an organized way, and I think that's a good thing and a positive thing to see.
0: Any other under-the-radar developments you've seen?
1: Well, I think there's been an exciting number of announcements and initiatives and uh, you know, alignment between different organizations around the climate agenda, which will lead to positive things in the future. For example, we helped co-launch the Dairy Methane Action Alliance the other day with Danone and Kraft Heinz and Bell Group and a few other companies. And that is responding to, again, a kind of a political development where methane has become more important to the climate discussion because of its short-acting nature. And we've seen a lot of pressure on the oil and gas industry. That's starting to move over into agriculture now. And the private sector is responding. Rapidly Rapidly In a constructive way. So we're using COP28 as an opportunity to do that, if you like, and not necessarily waiting for the political pressure to come through some kind of negotiation or regulation So you trying to keep ahead of the agenda. COP helps you see these themes. And also, I think the other topic I would highlight is the business opportunity around climate action, the, the issue of resilience. Everybody's now accepting the fact climate change is happening. Climate change is having an impact here and now. And so it's starting to become in some ways easier to make the business case because you're saying, well, I rely on a big multi-layered agricultural supply chain. It's being impacted by climate change. So how can I build resilience into that supply chain? by reducing emissions. And so you put those two things together and you've got a much more convincing reason to be here and a reason to contribute.
0: And do you think that business are using these COP meetings every year as the place to get these big discussions on climate? I mean, suddenly there is a forum available, everyone's gonna be there and it's the time to really get these things done. There's a certain amount of that,
1: yeah. It's an interesting discussion, like how much we wanna go in that direction. There was a period at the beginning of last week where there were actually so many observers here that the negotiations couldn't happen because they couldn't get people in and out of the rooms quickly enough. You know, you don't want to get to a point where it's messing up the political process, right? You need to kind of separate the two things a bit. And I think that's maybe something to reflect on for the future. cop organizers is that it's great that there's this huge business interest but only a bit of that is really connected to the negotiations a lot of it is separate it's more about stakeholder engagement contact building identifying projects moving things forwards it is becoming the go-to place but maybe the sort of format needs to be rethought a bit
0: i think you've been there right from the start It's day 12 or something now for you are you going to be leaving enthused or deflated do you think
1: (laughs) somewhat frustratingly i'm going to be in the air when we hit 11 o'clock tomorrow morning on my way back to Geneva. So I'm not sure exactly what the final result will be until I land and turn my phone back on. Hopefully it'll be a result by then because I also learned that deadlines are flexible around here. But I think I leave here with a sense that the discussion has moved on. I mean, you can't deny it. There's just been so much energy put into this event and to the language around fossil fuels. There is an acceptance that things have to change quite fundamentally. It's really a discussion around how quickly that happens, what kind of compensation is available for those countries that are affected most by it. Yeah, essentially a bit of a political game going on around all of that stuff. But the the basic principle of we need to act, we need to act rapidly and in a significant way is now fundamentally the basis for this discussion and I think the business action on climate.
0: It's easy to be negative, but indeed the very fact that these meetings are happening, that the conversations are continuing, that the depth of the conversation and the detail now that's been looked at to solve some really, really tricky problems, let's be honest about it, that is in itself very positive. Owen, thanks very much indeed. It's been great hearing your reflections on COP28. Thank you.